0: Welcome back to Locked On Syracuse on this Thursday edition of the podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts every single weekday. The only Syracuse daily podcast out there. You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, the two that are with you throughout this quarantine every single day. And Ty, I think we got to start today with a mock draft we saw. On The Athletic, as it pertains to our guy, Elijah Hughes, we talked about last week how he is officially, officially going to stay in the NBA draft. He announced that. Has to be kind of a tough decision this year, given that there are so many entrants. I think I saw around 200 early yeah, entrants I it's, right now. Yeah, I think it's
1: over 200 now. Yeah, so. it's,
0: it's nuts. And obviously this is such a peculiar year for... The draft process. You don't really know what's next for Elijah Hughes in terms of will there be a combine? When will the draft be? How will he work out for teams? So on and so forth. So I think it's going to be a very crowded year, but I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see a mock draft recently on the Athletics. Sam Vecini does the mock drafts over there. His most latest version, he has Elijah Hughes going 38th to the New York Knicks, which I think you and I both agree was Kind of pleasantly surprising to see him that high. That's the highest I think I've seen him anywhere, too. Yeah. 38.
1: I mean, that's a good spot for him. I mean, New York, close to his hometown, Beacon, New York as well. So I know he's always talked about building a community center in his hometown and how much that would mean to him. That's one of his goals when he becomes a professional basketball player, which is looking like it's going to be sooner rather than later. And I, I think that'd be a cool fit for him. Again... When you look at these mock drafts, I don't think the team is necessarily as as important because so much can happen. I mean, the Knicks, I think it was today, they said they're they're firmly sticking with their their new president of basketball operations or I can't remember exactly what the title of the guy is. So maybe that changes yeah. it. You don't know where Elijah Hughes is on that guy's board. We've saw him on the Bulls board, but they have a management overhaul. So I don't think the team is necessarily as important, but the spot is i think roughly important because that's that's a good indication of where of how things could shake out and again this year is going to be very very strange with how everything kind of unfolds because of there there probably won't be a combine the workouts i mean at least with the NFL yeah. draft we saw a combine right that true there were some teams that that did get get to get to grade these prospects a little bit more. But that's probably not going to be the case with the NBA. And who knows, maybe there will be private workouts to a certain degree. I know they've talked about opening up their facilities, so that could potentially happen. But, again, we won't know until we see it and everything sort of play out.
0: And you think about Syracuse guys of the past, like O'Shea Brissett recently. I mean, he right. really, really flourished off of that combine. It was actually the G League combine. Yeah, it was the G League that, Combine. And then from there you got an invite to the NBA
1: Combine. And yeah, since he was so good yeah. in the G League Combine, that that's why his name kind of flew he didn't end up getting drafted, but it, it was still, still a yeah. Uh, yeah. It still it, was very helpful for his process. You
0: have to wonder if he even would have been selected or made as much I mean, there's a different universe where if he was a couple years later and he comes out in this in this time period when there is potentially no combine, he's maybe not even still playing in the G league or on the Toronto Raptors roster. So I don't know, obviously it's well warranted now because he proved his worth in the combine and so on and so forth. So with Hughes, I think it's, it's just a tough decision this year because if you say, Hey, I want to go back to school because it is so crowded. I mean, 200 entrants, it's going to be tough for him to get drafted. And that's why I was, Happy to see him here at number 38 because obviously a big question mark with the Syracuse guys always is, and Sam Vecini even says this in his sort of write-up about Elijah Hughes, is the defense thing because they're always playing 2-3 zone. Well, the combine is a great opportunity, and those workouts is a great opportunity for him to prove that he can play man-to-man defense. Now teams might not get the luxury of seeing that. They do have maybe some tape on him in Italy playing man-to-man ecu a little bit but obviously we know he's a completely different player than his time at ecu absolutely and i don't think that's going to be the biggest concern we
1: we often hear and and jim Beheim has even been one of the advocates for this that you get drafted into the league for your offense defense is kind of a supplementary thing that really can take you over the top he's shown what he can do offensively and he's kind of shown what he can do outside of just scoring the basketball. He was a great rebounder. You and I both agree he was one of the better rebounders Syracuse had, even though the numbers might not necessarily be there. We've seen him make some of these acrobatic-type blocks and just pick a ball out of the air. We And we've seen him, when he's been asked to, be the main facilitator for the offense. He's a great ball handler as well. So when you put all of that together, I think that that is more important to a team than... Okay, we want to see what what your man to man defense is like because the athleticism in him, you'd think that is is will at least show to teams yeah. that okay, he is a he can be a solid enough defender for us to warrant making
0: him a draft selection. I actually think he could be a really good NBA defender based on his shot blocking ability, quick hands, he's got the size and weight and the athleticism to stay with multiple positions. I think what really ultimately determines his NBA ceiling, and he could probably copy and paste this line for a lot of Syracuse guys and any college players going into the pros for years to come, is how much was three-point shooting translate? Because that is what the NBA is living and dying off of now. It is all about the three-point shot. And he shot at 34% at Syracuse this past year. But I think that's a little misleading because he's taking tough shots. A lot of them are laying the shot clock. He has to be the isolation guy. We've seen him so many times take that kind of two dribble, pull up three straight away, whether it's off a crossover, in transition. The big question mark for me is can he be a spot-up shooter? Can he be someone off the ball that, because let's face it, When you're drafting the second round, you're not going to have the ball in your hands that much. You're going to be coming in as a role player. And I think that's why O'Shea Brissett saw a lot of rise during the Combines, because they saw him knock down some threes and show that he could play off the ball. Hughes has played on the ball a lot and off the ball, I'd say more than maybe Battle or some recent guys. But can he be able to knock down the three-point shot in a spot-up fashion where he's waiting in the corner, catches it, pulls up, and hits the three? His shot always looks good. I always feel like it's right. going down. I'd yeah, say I'm with you. even more so than than Battle. I think Battle maybe had a little bit of a hitch in his shot at times, and I know he's worked on sort of correcting that at the next level. But for me, that's, that's the question mark with basically every NBA prospect these days, and I think it's going to hold true for Hughes as well. So –
1: That's something that Sam Vecini also brings up here. It's that the thought across the league is that he's actually better than the 34% for a lot of the same reasons that you said, because he was forced into a lot of these tough looks. But on top of that, it also kind of helps him because that kind of gave him the ability to show he can do other things. He can pass. He can create plays for other teammates. He can create plays for himself and he can drive and, and, and get to the basket off of a shot fake as well. So I think, yeah, the athleticism and the shooting is there. We know he's a good shooter, and I don't think 34% is the true indication of how good he can be. Because think about some of his best games. They were microwave-style games. I mean, you saw him hit four, five, six threes at times. He was really good in a lot of these games where he could just kind of heat up and really get going. And teams were just helpless when they had to face him as a result of that.
0: Yeah, I think also one thing NBA scouts love to look at is the the free throw percentage when sort of evaluating how much the shot can grow or how much it can translate. And he's always been a good free throw shooter. And he's honestly, his numbers, free throw shooting and three-point shooting have consistently gone up until this season where he took on more volume at the three-point shooting area. So for me, I, I think more so than any of the recent guys, he should get drafted and he should have an opportunity to blossom into a good NBA prospect just because he kind of checks a lot of the boxes that fit the modern player, whether it's size, athleticism, guarding multiple positions, having a good three-point shooting stroke. It feels like more so than any of these recent Syracuse guys, I'm a little more optimistic about him. The only tough part is there's so many guys in this class that I don't know if he's going to get drafted, say, as... I'm not uh, as worried
1: about the the volume of the class because I feel like he's in the top. I mean, let's not overthink this. He he led the yeah. ACC in scoring this year, okay? With, with, I mean, there were guys like Vernon Carey and I guess Cole Anthony doesn't count and he technically, quote-unquote, led the ACC sure. in scoring. But, I mean, he was doing it against some good defensive players. He was going to be the guy who drew the best defensive player every single night. I mean, you don't have to overthink this. He, I, I'm not worried about the size of the class for a guy like Hughes. I think he will get drafted. It's just a, a matter of where. And, I mean, 38, you're ta- You're starting to, to knock on the door of the first round here. And then when you start looking for fit, you don't know how the trades will necessarily work out in the second round. Does a team like him or, or need a wing that they want to develop in that early stage of the second round? You don't know. So... The, the wing is the way that the NBA is going. That That's the position that everyone seems to want. So you, you figure that gives him a leg up on a lot of these other players that are entering their names.
0: So 38 right now, according to The Athletic, is latest mock draft, courtesy of Sam Vecini. That's where Elijah Hughes is going to the New York Knicks. When we come back, time to talk a little bit of football. Look ahead to next season because CBS Sports Had an interesting article on what they think of Syracuse's record next season. They went through, did every single ACC game, and they did not give Syracuse a single win. 0-8 in conference play. So Tyler and I have some takes on that after this. All right, time to dive into some football here. Syracuse football season is the next thing on the horizon, I guess, even though it feels like it's still a little ways away here. It is the next thing, we hope. But CBS Sports did an article this week. Chip Patterson wrote it, going through every single game in the ACC slate, picking a winner for every single one, and he gave Syracuse zero wins. Dead last, he has them finishing in the ACC. Quite a fall from grace from what this article would have been last year at this time. He has them going 4-8 and eight overall with four wins over Colgate, on the road at Rutgers, Western Michigan, and Liberty, and then losing every single ACC game, including Boston College on the road to start the season, Wake Forest at home, Louisville at home, Georgia Tech at home. I mean, you can go on and on down the list. And I don't know, it kind of surprised me, Time. I mean, we went through this schedule last week, and it seems like, according to most, ESPN said Syracuse has the second easiest schedule in the ACC overall. The over-under is five and a half, as we've seen from Vegas. That's the most common number. So I feel like four wins is just way too light. I'm I'm kind of
1: with you there. I mean, yes, I, I don't think the, the schedule necessarily sets up favorably, but you figure, okay, you, you've got some short weeks at home. You look at, I mean, Florida State's going to start to return on the up and up but you catch yeah. them on a short week how did Syracuse beat Clemson a couple of years ago they caught him on a short week and say what you want but you hear about all these players in the NFL complain about the those Thursday games you don't necessarily hear it in college but it, it still applies okay Th- those short week games maybe you're battling with some injuries and stuff from a week before too so those guys have less time to, to get right in the training room the, the, this team will win an ACC game, all right? How many is yeah. is obviously the the million-dollar question right now because you are losing a number of key pieces. I mean, you lost both of your anchors on the defensive end side of the ball. You lost your number one receiver, an all-ACC guy, and you're losing some pieces on an offensive line that already wasn't very good last year, all right? Now, you might be bringing That's in... That's it mildly. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the worst in the country. Now... You might be bringing in a guy like Chris Bleich, who is a, a guy who could start to solidify that offensive line a little bit like how we saw Coda Martin help the team a couple years ago, but it's just a big question mark right now. I mean, we talk about, all the time about Alan Griffin and his immediate waiver. What, what's going to be the deal there? And it's kind of the same thing now with, with football. Because we don't know what, what that situation is going to be. And that is a huge question mark for this team. Because if Tommy DeVito has some time... I mean, remember Tommy DeVito and how well he played in certain games when yeah. he played behind a pretty good offensive line?
0: That that was oh, yeah, a, I mean,
1: a completely different Tommy DeVito than what we saw last season when he was the offensive line was very shaky. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, so... To me, DeVito is still a top five quarterback in the conference. I think we can all agree it was a little underwhelming. He didn't really take a step up last year like maybe you had anticipated, but he's still got two seasons left. Dino Babers has been quick to point out that that was his first year as the starter. You're going to make mistakes. He had some really bad interceptions, like the Clemson one. He had a couple throws against Liberty earlier in the year that were really bad, but totally only had 5 picks and he had 19 touchdowns and that's about you know as good as you can expect given the offensive line that Syracuse had in front of him for a majority of the season he got better as the season went along i'm i'm just very surprised how you can say Syracuse isn't going to win a single ACC game given that sure they've lost some players on the defensive side of the ball but they still have Cisco back. They still have a good chunk of their secondary and their playmakers in the secondary back between Trill Williams, melafonwo guys like that. They have Abdul Adams at running back and a couple other guys like Jawar Jordan that could step up more. And the offensive line, you'd have to imagine, is going to be better. Now, we don't know if Bletch is going to start and be eligible right away. One of my big question marks here is, where's Kadir White because he was promised to be this four-star recruit and we have not seen him make any imprint on Syracuse football as we enter into I think what now is third season with the program it's getting to the point where you'd like to see that pay some dividends a little bit because you thought he was one of the best recruits you've gotten under the Dino Babers era so to me Chip Patterson kind of starts his analysis here and says it's a bummer for Syracuse that I spent a lot of time considering the outcome of games against Rutgers and Western Michigan. Ideally, the Orange are in a position where those games are automatic wins. I don't think they're automatic, but I think those games are pretty easy wins, and he does have them as wins. And then I feel like he's maybe a little bit too high on some of these other ACC teams, like a Louisville and a Georgia Tech that are coming to Syracuse. I mean, they could have an ACC win and be 1-0 after beating Boston College. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you might be
1: able to throw that article and rip it up after week one because Boston (laughs) College is coming in with a new coach. Jeff Halfley is is bringing in a a new staff and stuff like that. You lose A.J. Dillon, who was their big game breaker, and he's gone now to the NFL draft. So I, I just find it hard to believe that. Right out of the gate, Syracuse isn't 1-0. Now, could that be their only ACC win? There is a very strong world where that is the possibility because—
0: I don't see that, though. I mean, maybe, to me, I think Georgia Tech I'm not as high on. I know they're bringing in a strong recruiting class, but it's still early in the makings for them. And like he's got NC State here at eight and four. He's got UNC at nine and three. UNC is really picking up steam. They're kind of the Syracuse of last year at this point. Right. You know, hopefully for their case, they don't have the same fate once the season starts rolling. And I, I mean, you have I to. I think give they them are a little credit. different though, because when you look at, I mean, they've got one of,
1: if not the best recruiting class in the country coming yeah, in it's in different. two it's years,
0: different. I believe it is. But yeah there, there's a lot more recruiting steam down in Chapel Hill than Syracuse totally. so it's different they have regard. four stars Syracuse mm-hmm. does not and with the exception of a couple and one of them we mentioned isn't even really playing right now in Kadir White so I don't know I, I would say the ACC is it was really down last year it's probably going to be a little bit tougher but in terms of the schedule that Syracuse got like getting Georgia Tech at home as one of your other division games, Getting a Boston College as a road game, I mean, if you really want to get into it, like BC doesn't have a ton of fans that go to that. It's not like that's right. a hostile environment. Yeah, exactly. It, it'd be tougher to play at NC State or even at like Virginia, if that's a comparable team to what BC could be next year. I i was just surprised to have zero ACC wins. I mean, I'd probably set the over-under of ACC wins at two, I'd say. Yeah, I and think that's fair. I think I'm I'm maybe more confident in them because, you know, it's kind of like the theory of you're bouncing back this year. You had the expectations last year, so you faltered. Now you're hungry. It's like after a team gets just run over on Sunday night football, the next week in the NFL, you feel like they're going to bounce back. It's definitely different because we're looking at this from a season's perspective. But to me, I don't know why I'm just more confident in Tommy DeVito and this team to improve because they did make changes to the coaching staff that I like, and it is tough that it happened this year because you don't have a ton of time to implement that stuff if the season does kick off when we're anticipating, but you've get you got to be hungry this year, so I feel like they're they're going to get to at least two ACC wins, I'd say.
1: I get that, and, and yeah, I, I err more on your side, although I do think there is a world where – syracuse does not win a an ac another acc game i i think they win at least one i mean i this article that's been put out i think is complete blasphemy but again (laughs) that that's kind of where we're at right now i mean we're predicting a schedule a for a season that may not happen and B on top of that um i mean just so much stuff can happen injuries who knows maybe Maybe, who? what if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt? Now, the, the second string quarterback for Clemson, whoever that may be at this point in time, is still probably pretty good. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if there is a quarterback that gets hurt down the road, or, or a very key defensive player? I, I just find, and again, all that stuff can happen to Syracuse on the flip side as well, so... I just I'm with you though. I there's no way this team is winning 0 ACC games, but I'm not also putting a high ceiling on their ACC schedule because I think there are some very good teams in the conference. And yeah. I I, I kind of talked about this too. Your schedule doesn't set up all that favorably for you in the regard that a you're starting 3 of your first 4 games on the road, okay? And your bye week is coming on a week that leads into Liberty. So that also isn't something that's ideal. You'd want that extra week of prep for a team like Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, NC State, one of those, one of those ACC teams. But instead, you're getting it for a game that is largely considered a bye game. And yeah. that's just the way that the schedule fell this year.
0: I'll tell you what. If they go 4-8 and and 0-8 next year, I'm not saying Dino's on the hot seat, but it's getting warm. And to think that they would win 10 games and then the next two seasons after that not even get to 10 wins combined, like that would be a fall from grace that no one was anticipating. And I just don't see Dino, because I believe in him and I believe in what he's sort of preaching to the program, I just don't see him following that stinker of a season with another one. I'm
1: I'm with you there. I also think too, I think part of the reason this is all frustrating as well is, I mean, think about when they went to that bowl game, right? 10-3 and season. They beat West Virginia in the Canterbury World Bowl. But their three highest-rated players from that season – now, let's scrap the bowl game – but the three highest-rated players on the roster in terms of recruiting rankings and all that stuff did not play that year. Aside from the bowl game where we saw a splash of Tristan Jackson and Abdul Adams, they did not play that entire season. It was those two along with Kadir White – And you're thinking, okay, and and Tommy DeVito as well, who who didn't really play. Again, he was the backup quarterback. He got some spot appearances. So there's four of your your best players on the roster recruiting-wise, and they're not playing at all. And obviously Tristan's gone, but you'd expect there to be maybe not a step, but you at least maintain the level of play that you had a year ago. You're not dipping five wins. Yeah. When, when you're bringing in guys that were supposed to be huge difference makers for your team.
0: Maybe these four stars just aren't panning out. I guess Tristan Jackson is going on to the NFL. He, he had a yeah. pretty good season, but mm-hmm. I'm only kidding with that. But I don't know. I think I'm a, I'm a little higher on Syracuse football than most, and I was just pretty appalled when I saw that 0-8. So when we come back, a new member to Beheim's Army. They're now up to four players. We'll break down the latest edition and what it means for the team. Quick time out to hear from our friends at Postmates. Hey, Tim. If you're like me, you
1: probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch, or maybe while you're eating breakfast, who knows? Although we don't eat breakfast, but you should still order from Postmates if you do like breakfast. I love food, that's why I love using Postmates, but I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without even leaving the house or even opening the door. And given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries. So now, when I order from local restaurants,
0: Everything gets left right outside my door. There's literally no better time to use Postmates than right now. They got Postmates pickup as well, which I've been using a lot to order takeout from my favorite restaurants. You can get more than just burgers and sushis too. They can make your life easier by picking up everything I need from walgreens and 7-eleven and dropping it off outside my door this app if there's ever a time to use postmates it's right now ty yeah and you
1: know what i've been on a little bit of a gummy bears kick lately so hey the walgreens and 7-eleven certainly coming in handy for me right now just download postmates on ios or android find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour for a limited time postmates is giving our listeners 100 dollars $100? $100? Holy cow. $100. $100. Yes, you heard that right. A free delivery credit for your first
0: seven days. I didn't know they're giving out that much.
1: Hey, it's Postmates, man. They're, they're doing it big during the quarantine, all right? To start your free deliveries, the download the app and use code On. That's code On for $100. That's a Benjamin of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime
0: you need it, Postmate it. All right, so the total of the Bayheim's Army roster is now up to four players. The latest is Brandon Trish, a guy who is a familiar face on TBT. He made a lot of big plays for them over the years. Kevin Belby continues to round out this roster for Syracuse in the summer tournament TBT, which we don't really know if it's going to be played. I will say John Mugar, who's the CEO and founder, co-founder of TBT, said that he's pretty confident that the games are going to get played in some variety this summer, which I was a little surprised to see him come out that confidently about. But I think we're all hoping that you know any form of sports come back and, and maybe TBT will come back maybe sooner than we're thinking. It'll be uh, an interesting timeline because TBT is one of
1: those things where it feels like if you can't get it on time, it's probably going to get axed. Who knows how many eyes are going to be on TBT, especially if we're seeing seasons get pushed back, like baseball getting moved into the fall potentially. So who knows? I mean, but the roster that's being put together so far, there's a couple of surprising picks. And by surprising, I think you and I both in agreement that it's a good surprise with Leiden and and Malachi Richardson. Eric Devendorf is a guy who both you and I thought were going to be back regardless. Um, And then... You you look at a guy like like Brandon Trish who brings some experience to the tournament. He knows what what this whole thing is about and, and the intensity and the level of play that is needed to succeed. I mean, you're getting a good blend of guys who are talented and not far removed from playing in the NBA. And you're also getting guys who know what it takes to win in TBT. And I think that would have been a really good roster to have we just don't know if this whole thing is going to happen but it is it is kind of eye-opening to see that John Mugar is pretty confident that this thing is going to happen
0: yeah he said he's confident it will happen in some iteration so maybe they'll change up the original sites who knows if fans will be allowed you can get into all that but hopefully it does happen in some variety because as you said if it doesn't happen before kind of the other leagues return I don't know if there will be a TBT this year but if there is this is a good team that they're building and Trish has been spending some time in the Turkish Pro League he's kind of gone abroad and played there and I think that's what Kelvin Belby said he had some comments I think to Syracuse.com about how that impressed him that he went abroad and has been playing I think that league was Shut down a little bit early, as most were, and now he's back home sort of working on things by doing some various workouts at home. And I think they called it curbside workouts in the article I read from Donna DeTote on Syracuse.com. So Trish is a player that has had success. You mix kind of two guys that we know have succeeded in this tournament. We know are pretty good with the ball in their hands and can make some timely plays for you. The winningest member in Syracuse basketball history, also Brandon Trish, which is kind of a fun fact. And then you get the two surprises, which I think are more of the higher end players in the entire tournament. I'd say it's easy to say this because it's kind of one of those things that you say in the present. But this is the best roster or best first four players we've seen from any of the Bayheim's Army rosters of any of the years so far i'd say
1: yeah i'd probably agree with that and there's only going to be more star power added it feels like if this is the the bar that's been set in the early stages i'd imagine it kind of keeps up with that so we'll see how it all plays out I, i think this would be an interesting roster to see play out and i'd love to see tbt return and and especially with this collection of guys for Bayheim's Army, I mean, you're looking at a really strong team. So, Especially for a guy like Trish, who's probably a little hungry to get after it, especially after missing last year's TBT because of an injury. So, you know he wants to get back there out on the floor and and play in front
0: of the Syracuse fans. Yeah, it's a good point. I kind of forgot that he Missed last year with that injury. All right, so that wraps up the Thursday edition of Locked on Syracuse. We'll be back tomorrow, as we are every single weekday. You can find us on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. We'll talk some Syracuse football recruiting tomorrow. Orange picked up a commitment from a 2020 linebacker, kind of a late ad to this 2020 class. We will introduce you to him and get you caught up on some other football recruiting news, including some news about a longtime quarterback target, for Syracuse. So that's up on the slate tomorrow on Friday. Be sure to check us out on Twitter. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.